Well, good morning to all of you. Thank you so much uh, for those four pianists. A wonderful rendition of Wonderful Grace of Jesus. It's uh, incredible to think that this is our last chapel, and I kind of like this setup. Um, this is a, a less formal setup, and uh, maybe you've noticed I am kind of a people person. Has anybody noticed that? Um, my family uh, jokes with me. They, when I go to the D.C., I uh, have a hard time even getting my food because my kids are already eating their food. Uh, they, they go ahead and pray without me because um, when I'm in the salad line or when I'm in the hot food line, I'm, I'm talking to everybody. I was uh, noticing on Friday night when the, or I think it was Friday, yeah, when the, when the choir was having their concert, I was uh, really not getting emotional about the Latin you were singing. I was getting emotional about just looking at your faces and seeing you up there and knowing you and knowing not, not only about you, but many of you knowing your families as well. And I was kind of glancing across the choir's as they were singing and kind of in my, in my mind naming you and thinking about some of the memories I have of you here and maybe some of the memories I have of you and your family. And I was getting kind of choked up. And, and some of you thought I was getting teary over the, you know, Vani Tatum or something like that, but uh, I was not. If you were not there, you missed the, the, that was a highlight song, okay? By the way, I'm going to say you ought to come and support students here tonight. They've been practicing all semester, and you ought to come to the concert if you can tonight. But sincerely, uh, you are the reason I'm here. You are the reason we exist, and we're so thankful for you. And uh, it's hard to believe that this is our final chance to really challenge you in a normal chapel. And yet, um, we, we hope that you have experienced something powerful this particular school year. I was thinking even as our brother Mark Pitts was being introduced today about the memory we have of choir tour. We went to Baptist Mid-Mission and um, so thankful for uh, him being a graduate, him being here and supporting our ministry here and us supporting their ministry. We just had uh, Caleb Wagner, who is, uh, who is a graduate of Maranatha at our church, Fellowship Baptist on Sunday. He's with Bibles International, which is out of BMM, and so thankful for all of these graduates and these connections around the country and even around the world, uh, how God is using Maranatha Baptist University. I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1. It is interesting that my nephew yesterday preached about keeping an intentional focus on Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that as we look back and we can see the history of the church, we have it recorded for us, many of, it, many of those uh, people in the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews, but we also have just all kinds of volumes of books that tell us how people have intentionally kept Christ as their focus. And as we see that, then we look in and we lay aside the weight and we lay aside the sin that is in our life and maybe there's something that still needs to be set aside in your life even here this morning. And then we look unto Jesus and we consider him knowing that someday we will see him as he is and we will be with him for all eternity. Jesus Christ must be the intentional focus of our life. Well, there's a powerful verse in Philippians chapter 1 that speaks of this same type of idea. And so we heard a message yesterday about really focusing on Christ and looking unto Jesus. And, and today I, I want to challenge you that when you look unto Jesus and you allow him to be the focus of your life, that Christ can be magnified in you and through you. 
And to be honest with you, this is the primary goal of Maranatha Baptist University. We are not interested in just seeing you be successful in business or successful in making money or impressing people. We are interested in you magnifying Jesus Christ. That is the ultimate goal. This is the goal of the Apostle Paul when he says in verse 20 of Philippians chapter 1, according to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now Christ shall be what? Magnified. Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. And then we have this most familiar verse that all of us know, but it speaks to the sincerity and the seriousness of Christ being magnified. For to me to live is Christ. Say it with me. For to me to live is Christ. Say it one more time. For to me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Students, this morning, Christ must be magnified. Christ must be magnified. When we think of magnifying Christ, we maybe you immediately think of some magnifying devices. I, I'm sorry to bring up bad memories from biology class, okay, but have you looked through a microscope before? A microscope is a magnifying device that takes something that is not visible, something you cannot see, and it enlarges it. This is what the word magnify means. It means to make large. It means to enlarge. And so you take something and and you enlarge it in a microscope so that you can see it and view it and, and study the intricate details of something you cannot even see. I remind you this morning that Christ is the smallest person and not even on the hearts of most people living today. And we have the opportunity as Christians to enlarge the character of Christ, the cause of Christ, the gospel of Christ. We get to talk about it. We get to live it. We get to show people Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate goal of life. Christ must be magnified. There's another type of magnifying device, and that is a telescope. A telescope is, is, is similar, but a little bit different as well, because it takes something that is very grand. We know that all of the celestial bodies that we look at through a telescope are huge, large, millions of times larger than planet Earth. Earth is very small compared to almost all of the celestial bodies. And yet we look out in the sky and it looks like a little speck. It looks like a little dot in the sky. And yet a telescope takes something that is really great and it brings it into view. Do we not know the power of God and the the power of, of Christ and what he has done in our life? Do we not know that it is truly the grandest thing ever? So it is our responsibility to be like a telescope and to bring that greatness into view for other people. And one of my challenges to you today is that this this happens in your life every day and, and you're getting ready to go away for a summer. You're getting ready to be on your own, away from school, away from uh, the academics, away from even the structure of this environment. And the question is, will you continue to let Christ be seen? Let Christ be magnified in your life. Draw him into view, enlarge him in the eyes of other people. All right, just so we can see this morning, how many of you are already committed to some sort of particular ministry for this summer? If you are, just lift your hand high in the air. Just 
look at that. That is amazing. Praise the Lord for that. How many of you are going home and primarily you're trying to save up for college? All right, well, praise the Lord for that as well. We're glad because we want you to come back. And you can be a great testimony in the ministry, a full-time ministry setting, like a camp or a mission field or an internship. You can magnify Christ in, a, in your business, in your workplace. What a great opportunity to share the gospel. And I just want to challenge you today that this has to be a priority in your life. Don't go away from Maranatha this summer and make it all about you. No, it's all about Jesus. It's all about Christ. And that's the way Paul was living, and that's the way we should live. Christ must be magnified. So how will this happen in our lives? And I am challenging you as you get ready to leave, and I'm thinking especially of some of you that have been here a number of years and you're getting ready to graduate. We hate to see you go, but we're, that's why we're training you. We want, we want you to go. We want you to go out and serve the Lord. We love you. We appreciate you. So many of you uh, came in the very same year I came. And you are the first class, first graduating class that, uh, that I have personally seen go all the way through. And, and I, I do think that that's a, that's a special thing for me. And especially in my department, of course, the, the preachers and the missionaries and, and those of you that came in when I was in my first year, you were patient with me and I was definitely patient with you. And I'm very glad that you've made it. And, and it's going to be a wonderful celebration next week. But how is this possible? How is it possible that Christ will be magnified? It's, it's an amazing thing. Well, I believe verse 21 helps us. It gives us kind of a step-by-step process a formula for success so that we can make sure that our lives are all about magnifying Christ Christ must be magnified notice the first three words of verse 21 for to me we would read over these words we would usually think there's nothing too profound in those words but there actually is for to me It's interesting that Paul is writing in prison. He's probably in some sort of house arrest. He's writing to the Philippian believers. He had a special relationship with this church, but he does not say for the church to live as Christ. We know that Paul not only had a relationship with the church, but he had a relationship with other people that were traveling with him. Think about even Silas, who in Philippi was in prison with Paul. But he doesn't say for Silas to live as Christ. He doesn't say for Timothy to live as Christ. What does he say? For to me. So there is a simple and, and very practical point from these verses, from these three words, for to me, and that is you cannot decide for anyone except who? Yourself. I'm so thankful for the friendships that you have. I'm thankful for how the Lord is developing you and you're building those relationships here at school. Uh, I know that this summer there are like all kinds of weddings. That's amazing. I wish I could get to every one of them. Um, there's so many of you that have big plans coming up, and, and there are even relationships that will be family building families and uh, starting your life together in, in those marriages. And those kinds of things are incredible. But guess what? You can't decide for any family member. You can't decide for any one of your friends. You cannot decide for your church. You can't decide for somebody here at Maranatha. There's only one person you can decide. Four. There's only one person that you can really commit, and that is yourself. How are you going to live? 
for to me. This is a very strong statement of Paul's public commitment. That's number one, a public commitment. You must make a public commitment. I wonder if if I were to come to some of your roommates or if I were to talk to some of the classmates around you here at Maranatha, would anybody say this about you? Would anyone say, you know what, I don't know everything about them, but I do know this, they're living for Jesus Christ. Christ is their all. Christ is being magnified in their life. Would anybody say that about you? Can I just say, if, if no one would say that about you, you don't have the kind of commitment that we're talking about. You need to ramp up your dedication. You need to ramp up your commitment for to me to live as Christ. I think verse 20 helps us to see that this, this commitment includes a couple things. First of all, it includes standing for Christ. Stand up for Jesus. Verse 20 says, that I shall not be ashamed. Paul said that as always, I'm not going to be ashamed, but Christ is going to be magnified. The word ashamed has the idea of shrinking away in fear. And it is amazing how many times, even in a Christian environment like this university, we have students who are ashamed to stand up and speak out for Jesus Christ. I want to challenge you in your workplace this summer, I challenge you as you're in some ministry environment, challenge you even with your family members, that you would stand up for Jesus. He is worthy of that, isn't he? Christ must be magnified. Verse 20 also tells us that not only should we not be ashamed, that's our commitment, but he says that we should have boldness. Verse 20, that with all boldness, and boldness is literally freedom of speech. Talk about Jesus. We talk about everything else. We enjoy talking about our hobbies and our sports and our friends and our relationships and activities. But why are we not talking about Jesus? Why are we not lifting him up by asking questions of people and talking to them about our Savior? So this this commitment is a bold proclamation. It's a public commitment. And everyone ought to know it to be true about you that Christ is going to be magnified in your life. Now, I know that you, you know this, but I'm not embarrassed to hold my wife's hand because she's the one I have a public commitment to. I still have the ring on my finger. She has the ring on her finger in front of a huge audience at my church, which translated into lots of wedding gifts. Praise God for that. And we had a large church and so thankful. I was the pastor's kid, you know, so they all came. And uh, this simple, silly story, but I was actually giving away some of my wedding gifts to my friends because I had so many wedding gifts. That's, that's, that, and I was getting ready to live in a travel trailer, okay, so I couldn't take it with me. But in front of an ent- entire crowd of people at my home church, I made a very serious public commitment. And you know what? I'm unashamed of it. I don't care who knows. I don't care who sees. I don't care who hears me say I love you. Uh, me show my affection uh, you all know she's the one for me it's that obvious it's a public commitment you know what i think our commitment to christ should be that obvious everyone ought to know who you're living for everyone ought to hear it everyone ought to see it as you stand up and speak out for jesus christ it's a public commitment i want to challenge you this morning that you need to make this commitment. You need to dedicate yourself that Christ might be magnified. And what's amazing is he'll use you to bring glory to his, his name. He will use you to enlarge his character in the eyes of other people. 
All right, so first of all, there's a public commitment for to me. But notice the next two words. It says to live. Oh, it's so easy to go to church and raise your hand and say, yes, I'm a Christian. And oh, how I love Jesus. And it's really easy to talk about your commitment. But a commitment has to be lived. A commitment has to be proved. You prove it with your life. You prove it with your reactions. You prove it with your lifestyle. You prove it in your decisions. So he's saying that it's all about your living. It is frustrating when we often talk about how much we love and how much we commit ourselves to Christ, but then as soon as you start talking about behavioral issues, everybody gets all offended and everybody gets defensive and everybody wants to think, uh, don't talk about that. But if we are really committed to Christ, there should be nothing we are not evaluating. Nothing. Because everything we are doing and saying and and every activity of our life is, is an opportunity to lift up Jesus Christ and we should be discerning. We should be we should be living in that kind of discernment every day. So this, this idea is, number two, your personal conduct. It's a public commitment, but the commitment is not just in a word, it's in deed. Talk is cheap. You've got to prove it with your life. It's, it's all about how you live. Every choice of your life matters. And again, I'm warning you and I'm challenging you because you're going to go away from this, in, in some ways, this structured and disciplined environment And you're going to have all kinds of time on your hands and and some freedom on your hands. And the question is, how are you going to live? What are you going to choose to do? So this word live has two ideas. I think, first of all, it has the connotation of your entire life. You ever stop and think about this? What What will you be known for? Not only by people, but more importantly by God. Don't you want to hear him say, this is the true legacy, well done, good and faithful servant? Don't you want to have some rewards to cast back at his feet? Uh, So it's our testimony uh, as a whole. When When you're the one that they're talking about, and it is your memorial service, and somebody might say something about you, would they say that? Would they say anything like, wow, they live for Christ? They made Christ known. That was their whole life. Sure hope that that would be something that would be said about you and me in our entire life. So this has the idea of our entire life. But I believe this idea also has the idea of every day. And it's it's obvious, it's logical. You can't have an entire life that is lived for Christ unless you live today and tomorrow and next week and next month and year by year, moment by moment, your life is consumed with Jesus Your life is consumed with magnifying Jesus Christ. And if you live day by day that way, you will have a life that is a testimony. And that is a true legacy. Amen? That's a true legacy. Christ was magnified in your life. So it's really all about our living. It's interesting in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, if you want to turn there, you can. Paul says this about his own life. We look at Paul and we see his life and we we say, you know what, it'd be amazing to be like Paul. Would you agree with me that Paul magnified Christ? Absolutely. Amazing that Christ converted him. It took him from a persecutor of Christians to a preacher. Radical change. 
His life got consumed. He said, I have nothing to glory of save the cross of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We read through uh, so many passages where Paul is showing us that the the primary goal of his life was not about him. It was not uh, about his particular ministry. It was all about lifting up and magnifying Jesus Christ. And you know what? He had a disciplined life. He was disciplined in every area of his personal life. What I'm saying is your personal conduct must be disciplined. You must have a determination in your personal conduct to be careful how you live. This is how Paul lived. Look at this. This is just a testimony of Paul's life. Verse 24, 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, and one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate. That's the idea of self-controlled or even literally disciplined. Notice this, in all things. Are you undisciplined? Are you lacking in commitment in some personal area of your life? He was under control. He was temperate in all things. Notice he says in verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I bring or I keep under my body and I bring it into subjection. Listen, there's all kinds of temptations. There's all kinds of sins. There's all kinds of opportunities to be involved in things that do not magnify Jesus Christ. And so we as believers check our lives. We check our discipline and our discernment and we make sure that we are, we are living our lives in a way that is conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And again, I'm warning you and I'm challenging you because you're gonna go away from this environment where there have been great expectations for you. And now you have the opportunity to live in, in some ways, you have the opportunity to live however you choose to live. And what I'm saying is, if you want Christ to be magnified, then you are considering every choice of your living, every choice of your lifestyle, and you bring it into subjection, you bring it into discipline so that Christ can be magnified. Go back to Philippians chapter one. It's a public commitment. Do you have that public commitment? Christ must be magnified. It's all about my personal conduct. And maybe right now you're thinking, you know what? I've already tried that. I've, I've tried to live that way and it doesn't work for me. I'm just, I just can't live that way at all. And you're right where God may want you to be when you are saying you can't. Because notice the next part of the verse, for to me to live is who? Christ. I think this is intentional often in Paul's writings is that he testifies of his own weakness and God's power and God's strength. So it's a public commitment about personal conduct through a powerful Christ a powerful Christ. And I want to just tell you that you're right. If you're thinking to yourself, I'm not able. You're right. Neither am I. You are not able to do this without the power of Jesus Christ on your life. This is the testimony of Paul, Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He was not a boastful, proud, arrogant apostle. He told Timothy, I thank Jesus, my Lord, who has enabled me. Paul was gifted. Paul was trained. Paul had a lot of opportunities. He had all kinds of of things he could have boasted in. And even the book of Philippians helps us to see that. But he still recognized it was all worthless without who? Without Christ. Without the power of Jesus Christ, your training and your talent means nothing. 
You need God's power. You need the power of Christ. And I want to remind you, you know this, but the power of Jesus comes through the power of the word and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we submit ourselves to the Bible and we're sensitive to the Holy Spirit, we are allowing the power of Jesus Christ to rule and to reign in our lives. Jesus made it clear, for without me, you can do nothing. Listen, listen, you will not have a successful summer of magnifying Christ unless you are dependent, desperately dependent upon the power of Jesus Christ. You know, I've often thought of this, the power of God or the power of Christ in my life, a little bit like when I jump in a powerful vehicle and uh, you jump in your car and you access the engine. Well, what if you don't have an engine? You're not going to go anywhere. You can sit there all day long with a flashy vehicle, even a fancy vehicle, even one that costs a lot of money, and everybody might give you a thumbs up thinking that you're really cool, but if there's no engine, you're not going anywhere. And that's how so many Christians are living their lives. They're attempting to impress people. They're attempting to do the right things. They're attempting to uh, follow the routines of some church or some institution, but there's no power. And if there's no power, you're really not accomplishing anything. For without the power of Christ, we're nothing. But with his power, we can truly do all things through Christ. So it's the power of Jesus Christ. We desperately need his power. If there's any prayer you should be praying at the end of this semester, if you can stay awake, okay, is this prayer. You should be praying, God, I need you. God, I need you. We do, don't we? We desperately need him. And through the power of Christ, Christ can be magnified. It's a public commitment about our personal conduct through a powerful Christ. And notice the end of the verse, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. The world is lying to you. You are a foolish person to think that true success is the success of the world. True success is God's gain. The gain that Paul had. He was a martyr. He he laid up treasures in heaven. He forever will appreciate the fact that he gave his life to Jesus Christ. It was an investment of his life for something that would pay dividends later. When we think of this word gain, we know this is an investment term. And and we watch the, the stock market and we watch our investments and we hope to take a little bit of money and put it in and see... Uh, interest paid back or dividends paid back. I remember a number of years ago, I, I met a, a man in Alabama and for some reason he, he felt comfortable talking to me about some of his investments. He said, I want you to know that a few years ago, uh, this, this was back in the 80s, he was talking about, I, back in the 80s, I, I invested uh, a number of thousands of dollars in a little no-name company called Walmart out of Bentonville, Arkansas. And this was probably, you know, 15 years later, at least 20 years maybe later when his initial investment. And he said, I just want, I want you to see. And he actually took me to his, his computer and showed me his portfolio. I'm not sure why he was doing this. He, he, he was seeking to give glory to God for this investment. But do you realize he invested something like maybe, I think, uh, 75000 or something in the 80s uh, when Walmart was not real popular or was not booming? And now we're talking like, 20 years later or whatever, and he's showing me that his, his investment had, had gained him over $1 million worth in stock of Walmart. 
that's a pretty good investment. And that's the point of gain. You, you hope that you get investment or interest paid back on your investment. And so we understand that in a financial way, but what about in a spiritual way? When you take something that is very small in comparison to the greatness of God, that's your life, and you invest it in something that is, that is worthy, you invest it in something that can pay you interest back and spiritually and even eternally, then it is the best investment you can ever make. And I'm telling you, it's way better than Walmart. And you may never be the richest man on this earth, but true riches are what you lay up in heaven. It will be gain. Most of you know that Jim Elliott said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Maybe your perspective is so earthly. Maybe your perspective is so simple that it's like all about what's here, but what about what's in heaven? What about what you're doing for eternity? And when you magnify Christ, it will be worth it all when you see Jesus. So live your life the way Paul lived his life. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Oh, I cannot help but imagine all of you going away from this campus this summer, spread out all over the country and even around the world and thinking what what an amazing thing it is when our students who are seeking to magnify Christ and impact people with the gospel. What an amazing thing it will be if you magnify Christ. This is an army of Christian workers. This is an army of Christian soldiers right here sitting before me. Do not waste your summer. Do not squander your life because it's not about you. It's about Christ. Christ must be magnified. I hope today that you would be able to echo this commitment. For to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Maybe there's some sacrifices you need to make. Maybe there's some sin that needs to be confessed. Maybe there is a commitment that needs to be ramped up in your life. That this becomes the ultimate. Christ must be magnified. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Would you just take a moment to talk to the Lord? Make a commitment, a public commitment about your personal conduct. Beg God for his power, the power of Christ, so that you can actually truly have a profitable conclusion, a profitable life. True profit is when Christ is magnified. Lord, this morning I thank you for the testimony of the Apostle Paul and this simple text that we all know well. I pray that it would be the story of our life. That it truly would be known that our life is all about magnifying Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that so many of these students coming to the end of this semester may be struggling with a personal temptation or hidden sin or a relationship issue or some burden or trial that they're struggling to make it through. And yet we can come to your word this morning and see that the ultimate goal 
is whether we live or whether we die. It's all about you. It's all about lifting you up, and you are worthy of that because you gave your life, you gave your all for us. And because of the gospel and because of our salvation, we can truly say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. God, I pray from the sincerity of my heart this morning that you would protect these students. Would you please guard their hearts? Would you please help them to be disciplined? Would you please not allow them to to make decisions that could ruin their testimony and even ruin their life? God, I'm so thrilled that many of them will be involved in even full-time ministries this summer, and I'm so thankful for that. Pray that you would give them a wonderful summer, a life-changing summer where you are rearranging their lives and priorities and giving them opportunities to minister. Thank you for many who are, who are going to do what they know they should do, and that is be able to save for college and, and work in a, in a secular work environment. I pray that you would help them to be a testimony, that they would realize they are salt and light and that they could share the gospel. Help them to all be involved in their local church. Help them to be committed to that. Oh, Lord, we pray that you would go with them, that your power would be evident in their lives. And then, Lord, if you would choose to bring them back, as many as possible, that we would continue to see growth in their lives. Such a thrill to us to see the maturing process, the growing process, and how you're changing them into your image. Thank you for our seniors. Pray that you would bless them as they prepare to graduate next week. And thank you for their investment, not only in their academics, but in all of the leadership opportunities, the ministry opportunities that you've given them here at Maranatha Baptist University. Most of all, Lord, we acknowledge to you today, it's not about one particular school, it's not about one particular person or even one particular church, but it's all about Jesus Christ. Christ must be magnified. I pray that that would be our testimony even today. In Jesus' name, amen.